right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Buck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Buck, and today is a post-race version of the podcast with Jordan Bianchi. Uh, We just saw a crazy, crazy Martinsville finish. Uh, Plenty to talk about here. Let's jump right into it. First of all, though, Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm glad we got something to talk about. Yeah, me too. Me too. This was a very exciting ending to this race. Um, not necessarily a, a traditional Martinsville crazy wreck fest or anything like that, but the way it developed and sort of built up toward the end, obviously the big talking point is going to be Martin Truex Jr. versus Joey Logano. Uh, I had I told you to not tell me your opinion because I want to save it for the podcast, so I have no idea what you're going to uh, say about this, but I'll just jump right in and give you my take first. So, uh, Joey Logano is racing Brad Keselowski, his teammate. Brad Keselowski could have uh, used some more aggression with him, and if he had not been in the playoffs, uh, Logano and Keselowski maybe was in it. Maybe he would have roughed him up a little bit, but Logano was the recipient of some clean racing with Keselowski. Ultimately, that allows uh, uh, Martin Truex Jr. to catch Keselowski, make this a pass, then it's Truex and Logano racing each other. Uh, Truex races Logano super, super, super cleanly, does everything he can to have a very nice battle in those final laps without roughing him up. Um, Finally, uses all his skill possible to get around Logano. Looks like he's going to make his uh, shot at Homestead, finally win his first short track race, uh, and really um, maybe have a a career-defining highlight reel moment as far as here's what Mark Truex Jr. can do behind a wheel when it really counts. Uh, Has all this set up. And Logano goes into turn three of the final lap and says, you know what? I'm not going to win this without roughing Truex up. So he puts the bumper to him. Then he, you know, completely sideswipes him, basically uh, knocks him out of the way and makes sure that he is the one going to Homestead, not Truex. Now, uh, obviously, the fans uh, on Twitter on uh, at the track booing very loudly, very, very unhappy with Logano, uh, did not like that he took that cheap shot they, they viewed it as and roughed him up. My take, though, is that this is what you have to do. This this is the exact situation NASCAR puts you in all season long. It's all about Homestead, Homestead, Homestead. It's all about the playoffs, all about winning to advance. And this is what NASCAR wants to see. Uh, hate the player or hate the game, don't hate the player, whatever. I'm, I'm messing it up. But, um, you know, it's it's really, uh, I think Logano had to do that. If he doesn't do that, he's soft, you know, and, and people go like, how bad do you really want this, Logano? Because that, that was your one chance. So he had to knock him out of the way. Obviously, he would have wanted to do it differently, but ultimately, he's the one going to Homestead. Jordan, let's hear your take. I'm 100% in agreement that this is the format that NASCAR has instituted. They want to see moments like these. And Logano was 100% the right in how he raced. And he has no one. He, he doesn't have to apologize for it. He doesn't owe Martin Truex Jr. an apology. He went for the win because a win, as you said, gets him in the championship four. And that is everything. That is what NASCAR wants to see. That is what they want to see happen in these element, you know, these these races where you, you can punch your ticket to the next round, and especially in the last, you know, the, the semifinal round. I, Martin Truex Jr. knew that, and I will even go a step further and say Martin Truex Jr. really shouldn't be upset with Joey Logano. He should actually be more upset with himself because wow. he he raced too clean, and that is the knock on Martin Truex Jr. is that he is a very clean driver. He's not someone that is going to maybe overstep the line. He's not someone who's going to be very aggressive. And he had two opportunities there to really kind of solidify his win. One, he should have kept the low line and not allowed Joey Logano to get back um, back uh, behind him and then maybe make that dive bomb in the last corner there. 
And if he Martin Trek Jr. also maybe should have moved Logano out of the way sooner, and that would have slid Logano back, and Martin Trek Jr. would have been able to drive away and build up a little bit of comfortable lead, and he wouldn't have had to worry about the last lap because he'd been so far ahead. Um, I, I get why Truex is upset. He, he has every right to be, but he also needs to, have, to accept some responsibility for it here. This is Martinsville. You know what's going to happen. You know what happens in this race. You've, we've seen it happen years and years now. And this is a physical race. It, it demands that drivers be aggressive. And if you don't want to be aggressive, then you're going to be taken advantage of. And Truex was taken advantage of on that last lap, yes, but he let himself be taken advantage of. And he deserves some blame for that. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> I it's, it seems to be a little bit of victim blaming here. I, I see where fans could say that. But on the other hand, I, I find it hard to disagree with you because, look, if it's really about winning and getting to Homestead and all that stuff, you know, everybody watching at home is probably thinking the same thing you were just now thinking, oh, well, you know, Logano's probably going to make contact with him here before this is over because he's not just going to let him go and just say, oh, well, you got me and you raced me so cleanly and congrats, Martin. You know, Logano doesn't race like that. Um, and, and I would say that if you really want to be a championship driver, uh, you know, a Harvick, a Kyle Busch, people like that, uh, you know, Keselowski, all those guys would probably have um, done what Logano did. And I think, you know, to your point, I can envision like a Kyle Busch in that scenario or even a Harvick um, knocking Logano out of the way enough to make sure that he can't get back to him. Uh, you know, there. You know, look, is it classy to race cleanly? Absolutely. Um, is it is it the noble thing to do? Is it the right thing? If you want to get along with people, if you want to be respected, yes, all those things are the right thing to do. But uh, that doesn't get you to Homestead. That doesn't necessarily win championships. Uh, you know, Truex has won a championship, but um, it doesn't always unfold like that. Sometimes you have to get a little bit dirty to put yourself in that opportunity. And and I really do think though that if Logano doesn't do that. He doesn't survive uh, Texas and Phoenix and make it. This was his shot. He's like probably thinking in the car, um, sorry, you know, as he's done in the past to to Kenseth, and obviously that got him in trouble. But this time, this locks him into Homestead, and you know, I'll, I'll go another step further here, Jordan. So everybody's got excited about um, Truex's comment here, saying, "Well, now he's not going to win." Well, I, Truex has said stuff like this before about retaliation, uh, most notably about Jeff Gordon at Sonoma years ago, I think. And he doesn't do it. You know, Truex does not retaliate. He's not that kind of driver. He will not take out uh, Logano, I think, in, in the championship race. I, I, I just do not see that happening. And, uh, yeah, he'll try to make sure that he wins and Logano doesn't. But I see no scenario where Truex uh, prevents Logano from winning the title because of this. Do you? No, I don't. Because one, there, there's still a really good chance that Martin Truex Jr. is going to qualify for Homestead. And if he's racing for a championship, he's not going to want to do anything that's going to jeopardize his title chances. And and if he takes out Logano, he may in fact take himself out. And if he deliberately takes out Logano and he is able to go on and continue on in the race, NASCAR may interject at that point and say, you know what, this is 2015 with Kenseth all over again. We're not going to allow this to happen. So there are a lot of scenarios here. I don't see it. Now, if Truex doesn't qualify for Homestead, you know, maybe. But like you said, Truex is not that kind of racer. He is he is a clean driver to a fault, which kind of cost him today. And I think when you look at the situation and how NASCAR's responded in the past, they're going to be very upfront with everybody and say, you know what, you're, you, you cannot go out here and, and impact the championship if you're not involved. Uh, the, the consequences, if you do, are going to be very severe. That's not something that Martin Truex Jr. is going to want to face. 
And I guarantee you too, Jordan, that, that NASCAR completely approves of what happened at Martinsville. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, I think that Steve O'Donnell or whoever goes on Sirius Monday morning will, will probably say, this is NASCAR racing. This is what NASCAR is all about. They've positioned themselves. Yeah, exactly. They positioned themselves this way um, since the elimination format happened. Uh, this is this is what they're going for, and and this is what's brought on by it. Um, again, you know, you you can dislike that the drivers are in this situation and and resent that and think that that's not how it always was. But I I still go back to the thing. You know, if if this was Dale Earnhardt Sr. or Tony Stewart who had done uh, what Logano did. They would be the fans would be going nuts. They would be going crazy. They'd be cheering, uh, not not on Truex's side, but it's Logano has has done this uh, often enough that the fans just don't like him for it and resent him for it. But uh, even if it was like Chase Elliott or something like that, people would be oh, like, yeah. "Yeah, that's right," you know. And and uh, so it, a lot of it does, I think, have to do with who did it in this situation. Absolutely, and I will say this: it, it surprises me that Logano. It, it isn't surprising to me that Logano is vilified the way he is. You look at the runs he's had: Kansas Stewart, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick. The list goes on, and he's just been in these scenarios over and over again. But it does surprise me though that a lot of fans haven't embraced Logano as their guy because he is everything that fans say they want in a driver. One, he's a winner. Two, he, he's young and he's he's glib in front of the camera. He, he's good. He's not afraid to speak his mind. And three, he is ultra aggressive. You can never question Logano's effort. And the fact that if he's in these situations, he has no second thoughts about putting a bumper to somebody and, and getting physical and moving them out of the way. We have seen this over and over with him throughout his career. That's what fans say they want in drivers. Logano delivers all of this in spades. And yet, I would argue he's probably one of the most disliked drivers out there. I think Kyle Busch is probably still number one. But Logano, in my estimation, is number two. And it surprises me to some extent that more fans don't embrace him because he is that guy that they want. He is not afraid to go out there and, and give it his all. And if he moves you out of the way, oh, well, he's going to kind of shrug his shoulders and kind of say, you know what, oh, well, because I'm out here racing for the win. If you don't like it, tough. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I think unfortunately, still the the first impression that fans had of him as uh, the the spoiled rich kid, spoon in his mouth, the daddy fights for mm. him, that kind of stuff. I mean, oh, people yeah, sliced uh, bread. Yeah, yeah, the greatest thing, and and you know, people were tired of the hype, and um, for whatever reason, didn't you know he he's he's had enough run-ins with veterans and people's favorite drivers that people you know really came down on the wrong side. So I don't think people are ever gonna s- suddenly warm up to him or like him. Uh, I just think people have made up their mind and they just, you know, don't want to see it from him at this point. And just everything he does, they, they, they it falls in that box. Oh, he's dirty. Um, but you know, he is awfully talented and you know, the guy misses the playoffs last year, but if you take that away, uh, he made two of the first three, uh, uh of the final fours at Homestead. Mm-hmm. And in 2015, he, he, uh, won every race in one of the rounds and, and could have made it except for his run in with Kenseth. So he could have made, Three, the first three final fours, and then uh, up till last year, and then now he's in it again. So the guy knows how to win. The guy knows how to uh, raise his game uh, come playoff time, uh, and he's young. I mean, he's still got so many years ahead of him. Uh, you know, I, I, I think once he starts winning again regularly, and once Penske gets up to where like Stuart Haas or Gibbs is now, um, I mean, gosh, it's going to be you know Joey Logano's world. 
And it's only a matter of time before he wins multiple championships. But again, I, I think that a lot of people, though, Jordan, are listening to this podcast and are so mad at, at both you and I right now and just going, I can't believe how these guys can think this. You know, he is so dirty. How can they be They be praising him? Uh, Truex deserved better. Uh, and, and I understand that. Like, I, I really do relate to that because, yeah. you know, especially because of the effort that Truex put in to race so cleanly and people want to go, oh, it doesn't take any talent to knock somebody out of the way. But um, again, if you were in that situation, you're a driver, uh, and, and this is your shot to do it. I, I would really, really question, um, how bad you actually want it. If you're not willing to do that, because you, they're not here to make friends. We we've seen that. We've talked about that. We want rivalries. We don't want them to go easy on each other because their wives get along or their kids play together or whatever. Um, and you know, I'm sure people are going to, uh, bad mouth Logano and, uh, it's it's going to be hard for him going forward, and other drivers are going to frown upon him and, and things like that. But um, he's at home. You, you know what I mean? But I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. If there's a guy who is well versed in this and doesn't give a damn, it's Joey Logano because he's been down this road before. He's been has he, he's had these run-ins with veterans, and he's used to it, and he knows how to deal with it. And I think he's also learned from his run-in with Matt Kenseth in 2015, where it was, yeah, I should have reached out and given the token apology. It maybe shouldn't have been so upfront about racing aggressively, but you know what? That's that's who he is, and he, he's not going to apologize for that. And I admire that in Lagan on the fact that he is upfront about it, and he's not going to try to modify himself to try to win over a, a segment of fans that, frankly, no matter what he does, they're not going to they're not going to like him. And I, I still stand by the fact that I think he is he's you can look at his numbers, and he's an incredibly talented driver. Look at how many times he's almost won the championship he, at his age. You know, he's got 20 career victories. Like you said, this is his third Final Four berth now. Um, the only thing missing from his resume is a championship. And once he gets that resume, um, his career is really going to you know, elevate to another plane. And he's got a long way to go in the sport and he's going to have a lot more wins. And like you said, I think multiple championships is, is certainly in the cards. Jordan, um, the other side of this is now, will that one moment and that move potentially cost Martin Truex Jr. a chance to race at Homestead? Because now uh, one of the spots is taken up and uh, the big three is is in favorable points position. I think Kyle Busch is is the most favorable, and then Harvick and Truex are tied for uh, the last two spots. They're they're twenty five points to the good, I believe. I saw so mm-hmm. uh, they're they're fine right now going into the last two races, but they are either one mistake, you know, one crash, one blown engine, uh, one you know some something happening, something weird happening, or one uh, Kurt Busch win, one Chase Elliott win, one Eric Almirola or Clint Boyer win away mm-hmm. from all of the big three um, not being able to make it. So does this moment uh, end up costing Truex? Do you think Truex still makes it? I think he's in danger. And I, and I said this going in. I said this on last week's podcast. I'm not convinced that Martin Truex Jr. is going to get to Homestead with a shot at the championship. I, I look at that season that he's had. And I look at the playoffs and the, the, the speed that they've had in their cars has been there and they've had, they've been close. Obviously they, they almost won today. They, they had speed in their cars at the Roval. They probably should have won that race. They were good in Vegas. They, they haven't had a win though since July. That says something to me. And the fact is, 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 you know, if Elliot wins, Omarola wins, Boyer wins, all of a sudden the complexion of this changes. And I give the nod to Harvick over Truex over these last two races. Harvick it, it finished second at Texas earlier this year. He won at Phoenix earlier this year. 
you look at way Martin Truex Jr.'s season's gone, especially in the playoffs, the speed has been there some weeks, and some weeks it's not. The consistency just isn't there. Now, Harvick's had his issues on pit road, and they, they haven't had the finishes that correlate with how fast their cars have been. But if I'm looking at these two guys straight up, Harvick's my guy. He's had more speed in his cars. He's led more laps. He puts himself in a position to get better finishes on a regular basis. And I also I like Harvick's attitude in these races. We've seen this time over time with Kevin Harvick. He has had this ability to rise up in these occasions when he absolutely neither needs a win or needs a great finish and been able to pull it out and do it. And it's a mental toughness that I don't really think there's anybody else in the garage. Well, I take that back. Jimmy Johnson's like this in that team. But very few drivers in the, in the garage are like this that have this innate ability to rise to the occasion. And if they actually need to go to Phoenix and win, we've seen them do it before. And I have no doubt that they're going to do it. And I, and I go back to what I said earlier. Martin Truex Jr. is an excellent race car driver. He is a championship winning race car driver, but he is a very nice guy. And if push comes to shove, I don't know if he's willing to do everything it takes to get to Homestead if he absolutely has to. I know Kevin Harvick will. Well, uh, I, I, I agree with some of that. It's just kind of, it's, it's, yeah, I feel bad for Truex in this situation, but um, again, it's somebody tweeted, uh, you know, championships over feelings um, today on Twitter. One of the, one of my somebody in my replies, I wish I remember who it was, but I mean, it, it does ring true. And I, I agree. I mean, Harvick, it's almost impossible to picture Harvick missing it because you like you said, you, you know, you have that feeling he can step up at any time and he'll probably win Texas. He'll probably win Phoenix. One of those. And Kyle Busch, same way. I mean, he'll probably win the other one of the races if, if it's going to be Harvick at one of them. So um, you know, I, I feel pretty confident Kyle Busch still makes it. I feel confident in, in Harvick. I'm not as confident in Truex. That said, I actually feel fairly good about the position Truex is in now. Just yeah. because I don't see one of these other um, final four, uh, one of the final eight drivers winning. I, I just can't, it's so hard for me to picture Eric Almirola going out to Texas and winning or Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Same with uh, even Clint Boyer. And, and I'll, I'll, you know, Chase Elliott might be okay at, at Phoenix. I, I can't see him winning uh, on a mile and a half against a Kyle Busch and a Harvick and even a Truex. Um, and I also can still see like a Denny Hamlin or a Keselowski winning and, and keeping an open spot on points either at a Phoenix or a Texas. So I think given that the, the there's a decent probability that someone outside the playoffs could still win and one of the big three could, could take one of these spots, uh, I think there will be um, enough spots for all the big three to make it. Um, including on points. So um, we'll see what happens, but I, I think Truex is in okay shape if he just goes out and, you know, just even gets a couple top five finishes. doesn't even have to be anything spectacular necessarily. Um, just enough to stay ahead of, of the Kurt Bushes of the world and Almirola's. And, you know, let's be honest. I mean, th- those teams are, are where they are for, for a reason, you know, below the cut line, they haven't been able to put it together and run up front and get those playoff points that they could have gotten this season. So I, I'm not uh, super worried for Truex at this time, unless something crazy happens, like a wreck or, or something, which, which you know, obviously can happen anytime. And in that case, I'd even be worried for for a, a Harvick situation where, uh, you know, last pit stop at Phoenix and his pit crew falls apart, or uh, which you is know, not on the wrong possibility at all. Right, right. So th- those are things that wor- worry me, but just on pure speed, which is what we can only base off of, we can't really predict the other stuff. Um, I think that's that's a situation. So uh, wow, um, let's let's just go back really quick um, to the Keselowski part of this. 
Um, you know, there was obviously no team orders. Keselowski raced hard for a while, and then Logano got back by, I think, on the pit stop. And then Keselowski yeah. raced hard, but but couldn't get him back again. So, um, what did you think about that whole that whole uh, sequence between the two teammates? It was really interesting um, because it, it certainly looked like Brad was going to win that race and cost his teammate a spot in the championship four. And I'm not advocating team orders or anything. And I mean, you know, you look at Formula One, what's happened over there this year, and team orders can be a disaster, and it really kind of impacts the, the competitiveness and, and the balance of fairness in racing. That said. If I'm Team Penske, and I understand Team Penske, they 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 have this mandate of you go out there, you race hard, but you race fair. As long as you don't knock each other around, you can do whatever you want. But man, I, I don't know how if you're a Penske executive or uh, you don't come on the radio and tell Brad, you know what? Sorry, Brad, you're going to have to race for second here. You're on defense because we need Logano to win this race. And I, part of me was like looking at this, going, how can you, if you're Penske? If you're Pens- Team Penske, you can say, you know what, this is this is gonna be great. How can you celebrate Brad Keselowski's win? Because in a way, this may in fact cost us a championship, and it probably would have, or at least a shot at the championship. Um, it, it's a really tough situation. It's unique in NASCAR, and we've seen this happen over the last few years in these playoff scenarios where you've had teammates impact other teammates' uh, playoff hopes and lead to them maybe getting eliminated. 2014, Dale Earnhardt Jr. wins at Martinsville. Guess who finished second in that race? Jeff Gordon, who ends up getting eliminated in that round. Um, we, we've seen it happen, and I, it's it's interesting. But Keselowski raced his teammate very, very fair. He gave it an honest effort to get around him, and when that was apparent that it wasn't going to happen, uh, it seemed like he kind of settled back a little bit, and then Martin Truex Jr. was able to get around him. That is not a, a, an easy position to be in. Give Keselowski credit for that. He, he could have raced Logano even harder, um, but he didn't. And he, I think he handled the situation as well, as well as you can. That is a tough situation to be in, though. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm sitting there watching that and going, you know, thank goodness there's no team orders here. But at the same time, I'm also in the back of my head thinking, man, if you're Penske or an executive, as you as you mentioned, um, wouldn't you just want to be like, all right, Brad, look, it's not your year. Let's, let's make yeah. sure to sort of, you know, protect Logano here, lie back a little bit. Uh, you know, it'll come back to you one of these days, but we need to get Logano in for the good of the mm-hmm. company. Um, but yeah, there was nothing, you know, going on like that at all. Clearly they were just letting him race for it. And, uh, if, if they had any reservations, they weren't, you know, at least that I heard coming over the radio or anything like that. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, that would have been very, un- uh, uncomfortable situation, but I guess you could have said, Hey, look, this proves we've got racers and you can go to Kozlowski sponsors and say, look, this proves that we go all out for you guys. But whew, that would have been tough. I mean, I do think Brad would have pressed the issue more and, and he, like you said, he, he raced him very cleanly as did Truex really. And Logano <laughs> was the, the lucky recipient of, of, of people racing him cleanly and only to not race cleanly at the end. But um, I, I, I was glad to see how that played out, you know, definitely not like formula one where they would have had somebody move over for the championship and things like that. So, um, yeah, that was kind of a relief that we don't have to get into the mess of talking about team orders. Cause that would have just, you know, been something that takes away from it. But, um, anyway, Jordan, uh, do you see anything weird happening at Texas or Phoenix going forward? Or do you think it's going to play out fairly straightforward at this point? I think Texas is going to be fairly straightforward, kind of what we've seen in the mile-and-a-half racetracks this year. Harvick's going to be good. Kyle Busch is going to be very good. It seems like Team Penske has certainly found some speed. Logano was pretty fast at Kansas throughout the race. Um, you mentioned Chase Elliott earlier. 
that is one guy I'm keeping an eye on, and simply because of the fact that well, he's got a he's got three wins in the last twelve races, and b that team has got speed. They have done a good job of putting themselves in position to maximize their finishes every week. If you look at the standings, they're kind of in a must-win mode at this point. Yeah, they could still point their way in, but I think if you look at it realistically, they're probably going to have to win one of these next two races. I think they have a good shot to do that. They have a good shot at Texas because they just won a mile-and-a-half racetrack, and then they go to Phoenix where he runs well at. And their short-track program at Hendrick has been pretty good this year, at least in the second half of the season compared to where it was earlier. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that, that Elliott goes to one of these two races and, and wins and, and puts himself in the final four. So that's what I'm interested to see what happens. Um, also, you know, you look at Boyer, you look at Almarolo, um, they're in situations where they need wins. Maybe they're going to start taking some chances because you're going to have to be aggressive here. Maybe you take some, you know, a few mileage gamble, pit strategy, whatnot. Um, it's going to be, let's see how that plays out because if those guys can steal a win along the way, they're absolutely going to have to go for it and try to get one that way. Cause I don't think they can go there and win outright. Yeah. Gino, you know, just listening to you talk, I mean, I, I guess I, you know, people keep tweeting me out. I'm discounting Chase Elliott and I guess I, I am, I just, um, am not quite believing in that team at this point, as far as, you know, still their championship hopes and their speed. Um, but you know, I don't get to decide. So it's, you know, feel free to prove me wrong. I just, I'm still not buying it, but I also think, you know, listening to this and, and thinking about how we have a 500 mile race at Texas next week once again, and I know we've talked about this before, but it's just so frustrating and maddening to see the great product that, uh, NASCAR has on short tracks. And, you know, there was a lot of times today where it was, it's a race seemed long and there wasn't necessarily a lot going on. There was some green flag runs, but ultimately it's still you know, better than like pretty much 90% of every other type of track except for road courses, um, including plate races lately. And it's just like, man, I just, it just seems like such a missed, missed, missed opportunity for NASCAR over the last decade plus as the sport has declined to be so slow in reacting to get more short tracks on the schedule, to do whatever it takes to say, forget the excuses, forget the BS reasons why we can't do this, why we can't go here, there, why we have to give a certain amount to ISC, SMI, you know, we have to stay here. You know, forget all that. NASCAR, I would not be in this position that they are today with the ratings going down every week, with the attendance going down. If the short tracks were dominating the schedule like this, it would be, I mean, I'm not saying it would be the NFL level and it would cure everything, but... If you had this and you had rivalries and you had this kind of racing every week to tune into, I, I just think there would be so much more life in the sport. And to see a race like this and go, well, see you next year because it's off to Texas now and it's off to Phoenix where, yeah, you do have the elimination drama, but Phoenix is often a pretty straightforward race. Homestead should be good, you know, just because the championship drama. But it's like, man, I, I just hate to say goodbye to short tracks uh, for so long. And uh, it just kind of makes you bang your head against the wall, you know? It is frustrating. I mean, they have put on generally the best shows of the year. And I would say this, if you take this race and everything that went into it and you're going to a half mile racetrack next week or what, you know, a short track, you look at Martin Truex Jr. and the Logano stuff, you would have a week of hype of is Truex going to retaliate? Is what is Truex going to do? How is Logano going to respond? You, those kind of moments tend not to materialize on these mile and a half racetracks. That's just a fact. They tend to get spread out. You don't race a lot of side by side. You don't have a lot of beating and banging. But if you're going to a short track next week, all of a sudden this becomes a very real possibility of 
what's going to happen? Is Truex going to get his revenge? Is he going to put Logano in a bad spot? Is he going to save it for Homestead? You have all of this questions and, and kind of hovering over the race, which is what you need because you need this kind of curiosity to get people to tune in, to get them to check out what's going to happen in this NASCAR race because I want to see if Logano's going to get paid back you know, or whatnot or is Chase Elliott going to rebound and get a win? And I'll even say this. Short tracks are a great equalizer because you don't need aerodynamics and, and everything else. Obviously, yes, the big teams, the best drivers are going to win these races more often than not. But you can still create opportunities in these short tracks where a driver maybe who doesn't have the best equipment can rise up and, and get a win. And if we're talking about a Chase Elliott or an Amarolo, um, these guys who have been kind of up and down throughout the year and have moments where they look really good and other moments where they've kind of been off, you know, Clint Boyer in that group as well, guess what? Martinsville or something of this nature is a great track that allows them to say, you know what, we've hit on something. This is where we can be really good. And it doesn't matter that our intermediate track package isn't the best because we are a good driver on these short tracks and my team is good enough to get me in a position and I can take it from here. So yeah, it, it's unfortunate. The schedule is what it is. I, it long, I think everybody's kind of echoes the same thing, which is more short tracks, more road courses, less mile and a half speedways, but it's, it is what it is. And it doesn't seem like it's going to change anytime soon. Yep. I, I agree with you. Well, Jordan, uh, of course, I will be putting out the Was It a Good Race poll tomorrow. And so now we are challenged with coming up with uh, the number for our, our prediction for what that will be. Um, I, I'm going to say here that, you know, uh, I, I think it was obviously a great finish, great ending. Some people might say that, you know, it seemed a bit long or, or there wasn't enough happening for their taste uh, for a Martinsville race. Maybe they wanted more wrecks during that time. So. I'm going to go ahead here and say that about uh, 83% will say that it was a good race. Um, you know, they're not going to love that Logano won, and maybe they'll think that that makes it not a good race or something like that. So I'm not going to say it approaches the 90s. I'm going to say lower 80s. I'm going to go with 83. What about you? Yeah, I, I agree with kind of everything you said there. I, I think people at the end of the day are going to remember what the finish of this race was and maybe not what happened before, which may or may not have been the typical Martinsville madness that we, we usually see. But I, I think it's going to be high. And I was as you're talking, I was sitting there in the number and I had my head was 79 percent. So I'm going to I'm going to echo you. I, I think it's going to be a very high number. and I'm going to say 79. OK, not much room between us here to decide the title this week. But um Jordan, appreciate you so much for filling in on these podcasts as I've been off the road with the baby. Uh, obviously, I, we plan to do more podcasts than this, but uh, we'll have to stick to, to three as I'm getting back on the road next week at Texas. So remind people where they can follow you for your uh, racing insight. Sure. Uh, check me out on Twitter, Jordan underscore Bianchi. Also do some writing for NASCAR.com. Had a couple pieces up there this week about the playoffs and everything. And so I recommend checking out there and Twitter as well. Awesome. Well, uh, for the rest of you listening, um, the next 12 questions interview is going to be with Chris Busher. So that's the next podcast and that comes out Tuesday. And of course there'll be a, how I got here interview on Thursday. And then the post-race podcast one week from Texas, as we speak right now, the NASCAR season ends three weeks from today. All that's left is Texas Phoenix Homestead. So it's coming down to the finish. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.